Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful people? Thank you for tuning in into another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. We have a um, very exemplary uh, artist today, um, painter, uh, contemporary painter, Blake D. Lenoir, um, aka B. Lin. Um, He paints in a style he calls propaganda contemporary. Using elements of graffiti, B. Lin infuses his work with abstract strokes, quotes, haikus, and pop culture references. His goal to convey a message or capture and hidden idea, sometimes an uncomfortable one that reverberates and resonates with the viewer. Welcome, 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 and thank you for joining us, man. How you doing? Thank you. Thank you. Blessings for having me. I appreciate you all. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself and your background. I know you're from Chicago. Let's start off with that. Yes. So originally from uh, Auburn Gresham, Southside, born and raised. Uh, a very reclusive child coming up. Uh, didn't really take to too much, uh, I guess you could say, uh, external expression at first. Uh, mm. I was predominantly, I come from an athletic family. So everything was like sports, sports, sports. Uh, and books, sports or books, there's no in between. So mm-hmm. it's either you're going to go to school and figure out a way to make money or you got to go pro. And, you know, we all come from, we all experience that narrative in one way, uh, in some way or sort. Uh, but yeah, coming up in Chicago, the typical, uh, I guess you could say layout. Uh, had, my mom was a single mother uh, and that kind of pushed me into ways to learn how to entertain myself mm-hmm. but also how to create a way to express myself because I didn't have any uh, siblings early on so it was like figure it out or I guess you're gonna be bored so I started mm-hmm. drawing uh, with just the idea of trying to duplicate things like I just felt like I could duplicate things and from then on it just kind of the belief in myself to draw blossoms Literally, like uh, my mom actually has a picture that I tried to draw when I was two. Let's just say I tried to draw every feather on the duck. And yeah, she said from then on, I never, I just didn't stop. That's amazing. Um, We kind of have similar backgrounds. Well, I'm from DC, PG County, and I was also raised as, um, raised by a single mother, you know, and being the only child. So I think one of the benefits of being an only child is you don't really have a lot besides your imagination exactly. you know what I mean like we I think we often live in our heads sometimes that could be too much but mm-hmm. it could be a benefit because we can see things from a different perspective you know like we're on the outside looking in type thing absolutely and that's exactly what it was until I got my siblings it was literally just that and it was always me taking this approach of looking at everybody interactions and like oh I don't I don't understand that I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get that but it's interesting and I, I want to be y'all friend but I don't really know how to ask 
But mm. <laughs> I guess I'm a draw. I could draw something, and maybe y'all like that, and we can connect that way. And, and it, that's kind of how it began. Uh, but early on, it was strictly just interest in doing it. It wasn't I'm gonna be an artist. I'm gonna be an artist, so I want to take this seriously, or this is a professional choice. I was like, I'm gonna be an NBA player and know how to draw. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess that's mm-hmm. what I, that's what I thought my path was. But then going from that. Uh, getting more in tune with my craft. Uh, I started off with pencils and graph and charcoal and uh, actually only dealt with that primarily up until high school. And in high school was when I kind of expound my mediums and did a, like a wallet watercolor thing and a little bit of architecture stuff. But then it was just like, never took it serious because it was still mm-hmm. a stigma to it. Especially me, I went to a all boy, really prestigious all boy athletic school here in Chicago called Mount Carmel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was no space for, you know, being an arts and crafts guy. Me being six four, two hundred pound athlete, they were looking at me like you can draw, but come come play this basketball, come yeah. these tackles on the football field. So, yeah, yeah. So that kind of fell off again until I got to college, and then college was like a, another even playing ground for my brain, really altogether, because I didn't actually have to worry about the stigma of me being smart. Or me mm-hmm. being, or showing my intellect, mm-hmm. so that kind of put me in a really good headspace with uh, like psychology, the psychology of art, or the psychology of expression, and the sociology of it as well. And yeah, and it can just blew my brain after going to a couple of those uh, classes. And I was actually a drawing major, and ignorantly, I literally just pushed away from uh, taking painting classes, any course that hinted at me painting or using mm-hmm. a different medium. I was like, nah, I'm I'm real respected in this drawing thing. And, you know, everybody's giving me all this cloud and, and that. So let me just stay comfortable, stay comfortable. And it wasn't until I actually left college that I was doing the, the rat race, trying to find a job and, you know, things like that. And I was like, this just is not, it's not fulfilling. I'm not making enough money. I'm stressed out either way. Mm-hmm. Try something new. And one of my guys like, you should paint. I was like, bro, I told you I don't paint. Like, that's, that's not my thing. He's like, have you ever painted? I was like, no, but I just feel like it's not my thing. It's too loose. It's, you know, he just tried. I'm going to set you up with a live painting gig. He set me up with a live painting gig at the Godfrey Hotel downtown. Mm. In front of people? Part- yes, in front of people. My wow. first time painting. <laughs> yeah. I know you was so, nervous as hell out there, huh? Man, you couldn't. I'm glad I wore all black because I'll probably sweat out my sweater that night. <laughs> but it sat there and I thought I was going to like pre-draw something. No, didn't happen that way. It just flowed out and the rest the rest is history, literally. Mm, mm, mm. So being a, a originally a sports guy, do you um, use any of those ideals or... Um, any of those lessons that you learned on the court or on the field within your, your art as well? Yeah, you can't use everything that you know at one time. Mm-hmm. And, and you also always have to approach things processionally. Like you, you don't get to the end of the game from the first shot and you don't get to the, you don't, you know, you don't start the game off well acting like it's the end of the game either. So just taking every piece and even the process of being where I am as an artist right now is, I'm in the process, like the process and the end game is two different things, but the process is what makes the end game beautiful. 
Mm. And that's the biggest lesson that art has told, taught me as a man overall, that it's not about the one piece, the one this, the one that is about the whole thing. Mm. So as long as you're still moving, the story's still going. And yeah, it's all, it's all been relative because that's one thing I struggled with as an athlete was being the star guy all the time. And mm. when I wasn't that, it kind of made me not want to do it. And I, this has shown me, nah, you, you still got to get back on your horse and keep working. Yeah, yeah, we're, we always go through these transitional phases, you know, I, I firmly believe that um, situations that happen to us in life um, help build us and guide us, you know, to what we may be or what we figure out we want to be in the future, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I was, my profession is photography, I do a lot of portrait photography, but um, okay. before that I was like obsessed with music. You know, I wanted to be a recording artist. I wanted to be the engineer in the studio, but um, life didn't pan out that way. But I'm extremely glad that it didn't because I truly found what I was, quote unquote, meant to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, exactly. And that's what I did. I found my passion instead of something that I was telling myself to be good at, where I was like, it's, it was more expectation to be good than what mm -hmm. I was actually passionate about being good at. I've been told my physical capabilities made me a person that I, sh that I should be in other people's eyes. Mm. And when I started tailoring that to my eyes, and that's what paint painting is actually freed my brain in that aspect. It allowed mm. me to just create stuff that, or even just the process of doing it, just seeing that I'm creating new possibilities and creating, affording myself new ideas, affording myself the ability to unwind, uh, like doing all of these things simultaneously and, and not realizing I'm providing my own therapy while doing so. Right, right. So what's more, what's a more satisfying feeling um, when you paint? Is it the idea before the process? Is it the process in which you do it? Or is it the end result? Uh, so the way that I can explain this is like every, let's say I'm creating a piece that takes two months, but there's moments throughout that whole time, like several moments where I would go, like just taking a deep breath, like, okay, it's turning, it's making, it's making its way. Mm -hmm. So those moments to me are more important than the end game and the beginning, because I'd never go into a piece with a prerequisite of what I want it to look like. Mm -hmm. So I start every piece with a blank slate of mine and I kind of just free flow my idea into what it becomes literally. And that's the mm -hmm. only, the best way I can really articulate it. I free flow my idea until it comes to fruition. Cause I'm, <laughs> thinking about it yeah. while I'm still creating it. So it's like, uh, whenever I like strike a string, like striking a chord on the guitar, it's like, it's like that, like, oh, that's the one. Stay, keep keep doing that. Mm. And it's those moments that kind of literally shape all of my pieces. It makes sense that you said that um, when I was looking at your work um, previously, just to prepare for this interview, um, even though you quote your work uh, propaganda contemporary I see a lot of surrealism in it as well yes. you know a lot of dream dreamlike state stuff absolutely no that and I would I guess I could change the definition of my work to more contemporary black surrealism mm. as that's really what I would coin it now that that statement previously was around when I first started when I first started painting I was using a lot of like pop references celebrity like you know kind of like the pop art 
Mod yeah. Podge style, yeah. like the yeah. And then it kind of evolved into like, oh, I don't need that. I don't need to use these references anymore. Mm-hmm. It's I can execute my ideas with color. I can do it with, you know, texture. I can do it with, you know, a little bit of everything. So just me literally growing myself and developing as an artist has shown that growth from having to use reference points or, or lyrics, like literally writing stuff at first mm-hmm. to now I could just, okay, let me make this texture or of this garment look like this. So let me make sure it floats or, you know, just all of those things that we, like, oh, that's, that's what that means. That's what it translated to me. And those things are more important in pieces to me than, you know, seeing a, a familiar face. What I love about surrealism is that it can constantly evolve. It's like it, it, the painting is is never finished. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless you until you get tired of like working on that piece, but it constantly mm-hmm. involves, um, especially when it involves movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what was the feeling when you sold your first painting? Oh man, that was like my. That was when I realized that my passion had been realized, honestly, mm. because the my first piece that I had sold was a piece that I felt like was my best thing I had ever made. And I was like, dude, this is the one that's going to make me, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to take it serious now. And then for a while, it wouldn't sell. And then when somebody, a person that bought it, which was ended up being one of my more prominent collectors, he was like, dude, you're not charging enough, first of all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to stop you there. He's like, but why are you on this journey stay he's like you know just give me good heart-to-heart advice and that first sale kind of set the tone for me for my whole career really because at mm-hmm. first you know when you attempt you're attempting to sell it attempt it just comes off very different in the art world when you're pushing your stuff like you want this you want this you want this and it's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different of an experience than somebody just you know resonating with their work and responding to it without you trying to get, you know, make them buy it from you. Mm. And that was kind of like a, a great handoff, even just not even from the money exchange, but just of a knowledgeable standpoint from a, a notable collector to be like, hey, you don't have to be, you know, panhandling your work. Like mm-hmm. people like it, if people like it, they're gonna come find you and they're gonna work, you know, things are gonna go how they go. I and, can agree. Yeah. I, I can definitely agree. When I first started photography, I had a lot of, um, I want to say a lot, but some naysayers, like you're not going to make no money from that. It's not a, a successful mm-hmm. career. You got to have all this expensive equipment just to be seen. But um, that can be a negative and a positive at the same time. Because one way mm-hmm. it can motivate you you know, mm-hmm. and, and and help you push towards what you want to do. But on the other hand, you could off, often sell yourself short too, you know, like not pricing your, your paintings or your, your work or even knowing your worth, you know what I mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're easy to, your ego is easy to be deflated. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I didn't struggle with early on. And this part of why my work looks has taken on the form that it has is because I live my work. Mm. Like people, when people talk to me about my work. Oh, I could talk for hours because this is something I really experienced or probably I'm currently experiencing or I've noticed somebody else experiencing. Like I'm very empathetic in my creative approach or my creative process. Mm. So yeah, it's never a piece that I'm making that I won't be sitting there able to just go on. Like just, we, we can have a whole let out about it. 
but what you mentioned about the ego heading into like the selling of the work that that's like one of the biggest like hurdles as an artist you know coming in especially as black artists mm. we already get belittled for the craft anyway mm. because it's not respected because we get viewed as hustlers instead of people that are creating respectable work right so right. it was getting over that hurdle for me at first as well like going to these galleries not knowing how to approach them because of course graduating from a, a art program i still didn't get the grooming necessary to be able to do that type of stuff. So I was like, well, I don't know how to do this. So I'm just going there with my paintings and see if they rock with me. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. learning those hits and misses and all of that. Like I've done Basel, I've done, you know, I've seen how that feels and knowing, okay, to be there is one thing, but to be there at the right time is a whole nother thing. Mm. Like it's all, like every, all of this, the art stuff, the whole art, community is all time-based it's almost it almost has little to do with talent it's literally the right place the right time for everything i can agree and that and um having a strong community with you you know absolutely i think all successful and the right one yeah all successful artists you know have a, a, the right team with them you know what i mean whether it be like the harlem renaissance back in the day, Mm -hmm. you know, where all these different artists, poets, actors, um, singers, musicians came together and had a community and just bounced ideas off each other, which is, Mm -hmm. which is one reason why we started this platform is as black and African-American artists, we're like a small population in this art field. You know what I mean? And we don't really Mm -hmm. control our own narrative, you know, um, especially in some of these bigger white spaces that basically control art and every other genre that we can think of, you know what I mean? So it's important for us to connect and conversate and, you know, just break bread and bounce ideas off of each other so we can gain that um, experience, you know, and improve our creativity. I completely agree. And that's exactly why I'm always talking to my contemporaries. I I want us, I even encourage them to as well talk about their work or learn to talk about their work because I know a lot of guys that are just dope all you know all get out and can't spit a lick about their work and they're like I, mean, I don't mm-hmm. even know where it came from I'm like you, you gotta voice it voice voice that in, in some mm-hmm. type of way voice that you don't know where it comes from like you know some people just want to hear that yeah yeah I like guess just and it's also the the lack of our voice and representation of our work we always have a European voice telling people what we meant by something. Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. dude, how could they, even if it, you got some Ebonics and cursing words in there, that's pure expression of what you were feeling while you were making it. Or even name it stuff not- like primitive or, you know, just, yeah. just, just, just crazy stuff that makes us seem lesser than, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But when they do it, oh, he was, you know, he was in his bag. He was, he yeah. was really studying. He was studying. He went into character and all this other, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I play on all of that. I play. That's why the entendres in my work play on the names. All of it play on all of that. The mm-hmm. perspective of the white gaze, mm-hmm. where somebody would look at my work and go, "Oh, what's the name of that?" And I hit them with the name, and they like, "Can you pronounce that word again?" I'm, I sure can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you want to know what the name, what the word means? I know you guys still have this puzzled look on your face. Like you know, I and I try not to be cynical or you know just to be an ass about it, but. At the same time, I'm letting people know, like, yeah, 
this guy that looks like this, that dresses like this, whatever you want to, whatever stigma you're trying to put on me, mm. I might be smarter than you. Yeah. <laughs> stop looking at me like, so stop looking at me like that. Yeah. Now, because I do art, that doesn't mean I'm any lesser of an intelligent person than you are. But it's important too at the same time because you got younger cats who absolutely who want to be artists who are in their rooms alone or you know drawing or painting and stuff like that they need those type of uh influences you know mm-hmm. what i mean they just like when you go to when you're going to school and you don't really see too many black teachers male or female i think it's important mm-hmm. for those uh small group of black teachers to influence kids to like open their mind up they don't always have to be a rapper or you know just just stuff that they see on tv all the time or you don't have to entertain all the time right 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 just 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 to have guys who look like them speak like them you know basically understand the same mind frame to communicate and say you could do this as well Mm -hmm. and you don't have to look a specific way to do it Right, right, right. Because that's the other thing. They're like, oh, I don't look like that. You don't have to. You can you can look exactly how you look and be mm-hmm. just as respected or just as dope as you want to be. Like it's it's not a look thing. Like and the longer we keep pressing our look to look like theirs, the longer they have power to tell us that we have to look a certain way. Or even so, just being ourselves. We all know yeah. that black oh. culture is the most monetized culture on the planet. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? From the way we talk, the way we walk, the music that we make, um, whether it be jazz, blues, rock and roll, like everything begins with us. We are the heartbeat of cool in the United States and all over the world. So the world. Right. So to have someone tell us that we don't look professional is crazy because we create the the equilibrium. We create of, right. We create it. You know what I mean? <laughs> So um, just a quick question. What's your creative process like? Um, I know you say you have like ideas, but when, what is the experience when creativity hits you? When you feel like I have to get this on canvas or whatever? Uh, So generally, if I'm in what I call a series mode, uh, because I typically try to when I get in that mode I try to push out a series of work instead of just mm. one off piece because I'm trying to get out of a complete idea because mm-hmm. it's something that's pestering my brain mm-hmm. it's like bro you got to say something about this or you've seen this be repeated over like that things of that nature tend to be what sparked my series of work things that I keep seeing like what I meant earlier uh, as artists we're problem solvers and I just feel like my purpose here is to prob- is to solve a lot of problems of, mm. and generational curses and interactions that we as black people have or people mm. of color have, mm. but primarily black people. So I will say that uh, just recognizing a lot of generational curses that are handed down in a multitude of ways and wanting to blow that up in a contemporary style to let us know that we're still doing it. Mm. Mm. Uh, so, but my process is generally me going into my studio. I will probably just sit in my studio for hours and just listening to music that resonates with what I'm talking about, what, what I'm attempting to talk about. Mm. And as those hit, I kind of have these like flickers of images in my head and or whatever, like body language, uh, words, like words just blow up whole ideas for me, literally. Uh, so yeah, that I'll 
think I actually sometimes think of words that I think I made up that, mm. and then I look up the definition. Like, oh, I knew exactly what that meant. But you know, I don't mm. know if you've seen the movie Limitless where he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he saw the yeah, it was kind of like that, really. It's, it's like stuff, almost like that. a whole bunch of stuff in your brain that everything that you've seen is stuck up there. You just don't know how to mm-hmm. access it at that moment in time. Yep, and words and music are my triggers to pull stuff out of my head like that. Mm. Mm. And also just me writing poetry about the things that I'm attempting to portray in my work. Mm. Mm. So I will do that as well. I have a, two uh, two little notebooks that I have, a red one and a tan one. One of them is, the red one is a little bit more of the hyper creative, like when I have no idea what I'm saying, so just random words, pictures of stuff that I doodle, all of that goes in there. And then my brown one is like, poetry like instructions of sorts mm. or like haiku whatever like haikus you know small excerpts and stuff that i'm quotes and i'm generating myself that i'm like okay this quote in my head i'm thinking of this this way and whatever body part that i'm trying to illustrate has to demonstrate this message mm. that like and that's where those distortions kind of come from mm. 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 i could i could see it now you know it's basically an idea that you're putting on canvas. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mean, yes, that's all art, but sometimes it's a little bit more ideas can be distorted yeah. a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like it's like looking at the world through drunk eyes in a in a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mm, I could feel that. I could see that. Um, so who are your favorite type of artists? Like, do you have any inspirational artists, whether it be local or, you know, like well-known artists that you, you like look up to? Uh, now, I, what I will say before I started painting, no, I can tell you, I completely like went against the art canon of who they all kind of gave credit to all the time. Cause I mm-hmm. never heard black names, first mm-hmm. of all. And then I, couldn't give them credit when I felt like I could do the exact same stuff. Like just by looking at it, I was like, dude, this is not, not, but I wasn't understanding the genius of creating an idea to put on canvas. So uh, early on, I say my restitutional kind of influences mm-hmm. were the Picassos, the George Condos, the uh, Da Vinci's, like all of the cream of the crop white, artists cream mm-hmm. like cream crop white artists were uh the salvador dollies those were the ones i learned in art school that were even the, the duchamps like the the plays on uh being i like the play on irony a lot of play on irony a lot of artists that played on that uh, even the artists a lot of artists that went against the the rules like the shepherd fairies and so it's a lot of that has influenced early on but as of late, uh, James Carey Marshall, uh, Charles White, uh, mm. uh, locally here in Chicago, David Anthony Geary, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I got a couple of friends that I would say, uh, Barrett Keithley, and I w- I'm not saying it's influences, but people that I really like their work that keeps me in a good headspace to, to keep creating. Mm. Uh, I can look at it and find, you know, little things that I'm like, I want to amplify this element of this, or I want to, you know, 
so yeah, these all of these guys that I'm naming, uh, now women that I'm really good, that are uh, what's the name? Oh, oh my goodness, Harmonia Rosales. Her mm-hmm. work is she's the she's Da Vinci. She's like to me, she's the cream of the crop painter from Chicago. Yeah, like an actual like painter, painter like an academic painter. She got it. Like and yeah, she's inspiration for, for sure. Her and uh, Rico. I don't know if you know you've heard of the guy Rico the Great. I ha- I probably had seen his work, but I don't know his name off off top. Yeah, no, his yeah, his his real name is Ahmad Lee. Mm, I don't but think his I, work is amazing yeah. as well. Another, he's a a cartoon. It's, it's yeah, it's a lot. It's like a he he has a lot of. He's an entendre-based artist as well, but he is mm. all reference-based. But he kind of remixes these references to do a whole new thing. And it's all, yeah, you got to check him out too. He's another one. Mm. Um, as an artist, do you feel a duty to reflect current political issues? Absolutely. Mm. I feel like that if we're not talking about that, then we're doing no service, really. I mean, I, and I get cool is cool, but cool is just cool. And that doesn't do anything for us. Like we, we know what cool looks like. We, I acknowledge cool art, but I also want art to be, or become much more conversational and respected mm-hmm. in the conversation. And not just viewed as view pieces, but for people that actually want to collect conversation pieces. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what kind of, you know, if, if the people that take this collection serious, like the conversations, I would keep them relevant. Mm. I think it's important as well, you know, being artists, um, we're sort of like journalists of our, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Our environment, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you come from not so fortunate environments, you know what I mean? I think Especially that- Especially to have our stories to be able to be read in an accurate- Right. From first perspective nature or a first perspective look. Right, right, right. And I believe that, you know, I'm from the DMV, um, DC. Um, if any of my li- listeners don't know, like the early nineties, it was kind of, you know, crazy. It settled down now, but, um, not from the, the the best of neighborhoods, but I believe that those situations create diamonds. You can't have diamonds without pressure. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? And mm-hmm. out of those situations, we get the best music. We get the best artists. We get, you know, our Marvin Gaye's or our Tupac's, our Biggie's, you know what I mean? Like um, our Basquiat's, like we get those different type of, um, I believe that, even though it might sound fucked up, but those situations create the best art. And you're not lying. That's, and I keep hearing like this tone around my work of, I, we don't want you to, we want to give you your flowers while you're young because mm-hmm. we don't want you to end up like a, in a sense of like the Charles Whites, the guys that passed away before they got their credit due. I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, you know, mess with me. Like I'm, I'm actively working. And mm-hmm. I also want my other contemporaries to get their credit due as well. Like the guys that are, my contemporaries that are older than me, like 
there's some older guys that are doing some great historically black, like really like black, black work. And it's mm. not like just a typical, you know, slave ship story. Or it's like neighborhood stories. It's our bringing stories, like things that we talk about that we all, like we can literally all say it as a mutual mm. thing that we've all experienced or family things, you know, whether it be traumas or just family parties. Like we, we, we all know what it's like being at a barbecue, but only we can illustrate how it feels to be at a black barbecue. So exactly. Like, like, you know, stuff like that, like have more black lifestyle representation in art. Exactly. Than just, than just what they put on TV. And it's hard to, I think the only way people outside of us can really understand our culture you know, if they just sit down and taste the food. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Instead of, it's like certain people can't really challenge themselves if they just hang around the same type of group of people who think the same, who um, yeah. share the same experiences. So in order to, you know, grow and challenge yourself, you know, just have conversations with, even if it's in your same race of people, just have conversations with a, a guy from a different neighborhood or a guy from a different coast. You know what I mean? Like you have to afford yourself, the, afford yourself the ability to think different, exactly. or afford them the ability to question something that they might just assume is just that. Exactly. Or even if we do disagree, let's just agree to disagree and have a beer after. Yeah. Or yeah, <laughs> and we can we can go in depth about our disagreements. Like, okay, <laughs> tell me why you just feel so you feel so strongly when I'm tough. Or like you know, because you have, you can even have an argue argument over logic versus feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, well, mm -hmm. logically, this is what this means to me. And well, okay, well, this is what I'm experiencing. Like, and that's a real conversation to have because both of those can help each other. Even exactly. if it's not agreed upon, I can recognize and be empathetic to somebody maybe just feeling like that. So. Okay, I exactly. feel you, but this is what really happened. Though. Okay, that's what you know. You know, it's just it's always a two sides of a coin, and we and we all have to flip it just to so that we can all understand each other a little bit Absolutely. better, at least. Um, even though I see, you know, my art mostly through a photography lens. Um, I don't know if you know this guy. His name is Kalik Allah. He's a a, a portrait photographer from um new york and um i will uh, send you a link of his name but um his work is mainly like people in the in brooklyn you know at like three or four o'clock in the morning he goes out and take portraits of them and i don't know if you could see this or not but when i see his work it kind of oh, reminds yeah. me of what you do you know what i mean just conveying just showing light to something that people most likely look over. You know what I mean? Like if you see a homeless dude on the street, a lot of people would just walk past and not even notice that homeless dude sitting there. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. when I look at your work, it's like it's shedding light on subject matters that, that people mostly look over. Is that on purpose? That's the, that's the complete intent. Mm. So back to what I was saying about the generational curses that I'm attempting to address, all of my work stems from things that I, I'm tired of seeing. Mm. Uh, my, one of my, my first series, well, my first two series of work was a conduit, a look inside the inner turmoils of a black millennial mind. Mm. And uh, some of the things in that stemmed from your parents being acting like kids 
and not wanting to grow up while having to raise you. So you end up being age before your years yeah. because of that. But you also having to keep reminding yourself that you're a child, so enjoy childish things. But you still have to be man enough to face your consequences as a black boy coming up, mm-hmm. <laughs> like stuff like that. Or uh, the fact that we saw these winos our whole life and they talk about how great the 80s were, but it's like, dude, if, if you was like this in the 80s, I don't see how, you know, mm-hmm. how, mm-hmm. how much great it was. But they, but speaking to somebody that's from that era, they would tell you, oh, no, everything was completely different back then. It was this, it was that. It was like, I don't see nothing but this. And I'm growing now, and it's still this. Mm-hmm. And, my, and, you know, just wanting to see what, where are we going wrong? Why does this keep being, why is this repetitive? No matter mm-hmm. what age we get to, only our people keeps reanimating this to a worse a worse degree every time mm, mm. or was was primarily to, well i don't know if it's like that in, in dc but in chicago it's like that. like our neighborhoods really don't evolve or they don't or until they get gentrified i think that's on purpose though you know what i mean absolutely because and that's where I'm, i want to shine light upon it to yeah. start the conversation to start the healing process of that yeah because until we start and I'm tired, like, you know, we get, I'm tired of seeing, I'm looking literally as a 30 year old man going into these schools, doing murals. And I'm looking at people, I'm like, I know a grown dude that act like that you're literally him as a kid. Like, yeah. this is crazy to me. Or just hearing the, like the way that they talk to each other, the way the interactions are and just watching and them being from these uh, high risk neighborhoods and hearing like, and just listening to it all, like, this is the exact like this is really weird how vibrational energy really mm. correlates with neighborhoods, like to the point where I'm literally looking at you over here as a 50 year old woman, like mm. you're, you're 12, you're 12 right now, but I could see you and them. Mm. And I could see them, y'all just trade, literally just re-grooming the same stuff into the neighborhood over and over again. Exactly. And I'm and realizing how much my presence is knocking that off. Like it's kind of throwing that off where they were like, wait, like having kids ask me questions and like, their brains are like, like, dude, yeah. I can't believe. Yeah, I guess I'm a change today. Like, okay, like you just messed me up, having me asking me how I felt and all this other stuff. Yeah. They try to tell me that we shouldn't be talking about our feelings. I'm like, no, black boy. Like, how how are you feeling today, man? Like, now let's illustrate that. I'm gonna show you how to do that. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. or not even show you how, but I'm gonna allow you to think of a way to show me how you feel. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and those programs that I've done like that have been like the biggest pay. The biggest pay for me was that, that they were coming out of it smiling when they was coming in there being, you know, like kids. Like, man, man, anybody about to be doing this. I don't draw. I don't do this. I don't paint. And then they come out and, man, you see my, you see mine? You, see, you know, exactly. You see yeah. my feelings? You see, like, exactly. And it's seeing that light is already cutting off the, the past, like them in the past of what we keep reanimating. Yeah. That's my biggest, my biggest shoe in that I want to keep pressing that agenda in my work so that we recognize, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what, and it becomes comical because we can get over it and mm. not so much of a, I don't want to look at that because, yeah, you know, it's fucked up because you, we keep doing it or you keep seeing it and it just, you know, but all just, of that is completely intentional. It's just interesting to me that like you said, everything is a cycle. We're put in this constant state of chaos. So we don't really have um, 
the the You're bandwidth always recovering yeah like the 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 bandwidth or the knowledge like there's something else other than this when you're stuck in a constant worry of how am i going to pay this bill or you know if i do this this is going to happen to me you don't really have time for freedom once you have like true freedom that's when your mind and your creativity just blossoms you know what i mean mm -hmm. and um yeah we all know there's an orchestrated uh quote unquote conspiracy theory to keep us in that um constant cycle but at the same time um what did tupac say i'm the rose that grew from the concrete you know mm -hmm. what i mean like we as a people are the most resilient people on the planet you know what i mean yep. we we're always going to get slops and then turn it into soul food you know what i mean so even though it's crazy and traumatic at times, I believe that we will always prevail and 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 grow from our circumstance because we have we're forced to think outside of the box. How can I get out of this box? You know mm -hmm. what I mean. We're we're stuck and in a box. It's crazy that that's the and that's the first that's and that's it's like a video game. It's like mm -hmm. we get set at everybody. Else, well, I'm not even say I'm not even gonna make that statement. I just say we get set at negative two. Level mm. and then everybody else started level one. Yeah, and then we gotta we gotta first get out of level negative one and negative two to start at level one. Since being catch up to everybody else, and then it's like, well, they, we all started at the beginning of the game. Mm -hmm. No, we didn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm -hmm. and I'm not even trying to even compete with you. I'm trying to be the best me. And that's the, the, another thing we get caught up in so much is the competition of amongst each other. Where mm. I'm not competing against. There is no way for me to compete against you in this. So your your love, your support, your all of that, we can it could both be both sides and we both progress. Or yeah. we can keep button heads and both of us stay right here and yeah. don't go nowhere. Yeah. And and we do a and that's in almost every arena or field of anything that we have. It, it's this unnecessary competition where we could be just collabing to do better. Mm where mm. everyone else has gotten the custom of sharing from us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just a quick question. Do you think we would still be the cultural heartbeat of the world if white, if life was a lot more easier for us? Do you think, because when I, when I think about it, I think about Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. he will wake up earlier than other basketball players to practice. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Cause not that, of course he wanted to be the, 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 the greatest, one of the greatest of all time. But since we as black people are put in these circumstances, we have to work 10 times harder, which effectively makes us 10 times better because we woke up earlier to go to the court and you know practice on our jump shot or whatever do you think we'll mm -hmm. still be that cultural heartbeat if life was a lot more easier or do you think would that would be uh too relaxed to you know control the the the, the cool narrative um if life was easier this whole world would be completely flipped mm. so that's a whole yeah and i wouldn't even say flipped and and, and not flipped in a negative way but just flipped in the constructs of where we are as far as placement of people, a lot of this will be flipped because if, if effort and, and 
talent and all of these things that we're gifted with mm. were just accepted for what they were and not monetized to benefit everybody else or you know just harness the way that it has been then we i yeah yeah I did. we would we would, we would be the the heart of everything for mm. real yeah because yeah. we we have been the we have been the inventors when we had nothing to invent with we've mm. been the the dance the people who sang when we didn't have a language we mm. were the people who we we did we found ways to swim we didn't know how to swim we found ways to do we found ways to do all of this stuff and, and without all of that we still had that we were much more advanced before we got here yeah yeah i feel you on that i feel you on that yeah, if, a, if a, you know, the technology of a pyramid is still misunderstood and, and that was eight eons ago yeah and they still trying to blame it on aliens and shit yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> um and not just our the math that they learned from our pyramids right 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 um has becoming a parent changed your creative style? Like, do you see things differently now that you become, now that you're you're a parent, your father? Has that uh, changed your 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 art in any type of way? Yes, significantly. Uh, in in less that of a angry, cynical creator to more of a a. a nurture in in wanting to and having patience to share my work and having patience to really take the time to make sure that my ideas are being translated mm. versus if you don't get it bro i don't see i don't see how you don't get it like this is exactly what i meant by doing this and if you don't get it then you just don't get it mm. whereas like no okay you don't understand that okay what would make not even a what would you well let me keep working on it you know let me it has given me a more constant work ethic mentality, Mm. a more, a more stable one. I won't say more of one, but a more stable one. Whereas like, you can't get too up. You can't get too down. You gotta, it's giving me a homeostasis of my mentality really as a creator. Mm. Mm. Like I no longer only create for money. I no longer only create for shows. I I create for us. What's going? What's going to? What I want him to see, because he also, my son is also a. He, he's gonna be a little creator. He he likes chalk and blending and paint and the whole nine already. So, just giving him a, a even kilter of what a black father having a black father as a creator mm. is is like, and that I, he doesn't have to see. He will see all the different chains of emotions that come with it: the anger, the sadness, the the depressions, the the highs, the all of it. He's, he's has seen it all, but I also want him to know that all of that is okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that these are all things that you're going to experience as a, as becoming a man, as a, being a man, as as a little boy, as a baby, as a big boy, whatever perspective he's viewing himself at, he's going to experience these waves, and it is completely centered my parenting skills to just that because it allows it allows me to afford myself the childlike disposition that I want to maintain that I've always reemphasized in my work. Because mm. mm. I've, I've been preaching that since I first started, like maintaining a childlike disposition to create, but I wasn't thinking about it in a way to translate what I'm creating or just the, the steadfast ability to stay in this, like just to, to even stay in this profession 
without getting overstressed out to be like, F it, I'm about to just go get a day job and I'll figure it out then. Like, no, mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep doing this. This is working. It, this is new. This I'm also making my own way. Like, and also I can show that to him. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and I'm learning as well for myself, for him. So it's, well, for all of us, really, because I'm, I help my contemporaries, I help my younger siblings, I help a little bit of everybody. Like, I'm not, I don't, I'm taking on more of a parental role in art in general. Mm. 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 I can definitely agree with that. You know, like you said, that's breaking generational curses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Allowing a young black boy to actually feel. You know what I mean? To actually yeah, feel. You don't love. have to be tough. You, you don't have yeah. to be all of this all yeah. the time. Like, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, even when I'm not happy with something that I create, I leave, leave it sitting in the house or sitting in my room. And mm. if you want to draw on it, I let them do it. I don't get mad at them. Like, oh, you know, mm. like, oh, you, you know, you wanted to do that. Okay. Daddy can't work on that no more. Like you put a crayon to the oil painting. Got it. <laughs> Appreciate it. I mean, but it's important. It's, it's important to, because at the end of the day, they're they are they will be our greatest, you know, like art project. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That they they will be that painting that you work on for so many years until for years. You know what yep. I mean? Like for, yep. in, until you're at, at an old older age but at the same time we have to have that we have to be able to see through their eyes as well you know what i mean every my child they're experiencing us yeah they're experiencing them my my son is only two everything is new to him everything mm-hmm. you know what i mean and you have to keep recentering yourself on that idea like mm-hmm. we, we can get caught caught up in frustrations of like right oh you just do this just like, right he, just got here <laughs> right right recent just relax he just got here he doesn't know that word he doesn't know this expression he, right. he's not understanding it yet you didn't obviously you haven't gotten him to understanding it to be able to respond that way yet so but even then even then that that kind of hinders us in a way because we don't have that child like wander you know what i mean mm-hmm. we figure that we've been on this planet for so long we learned a lot but we have to have that, oh, this is a new experience. You know what I mean? All new. All new. Like, even for us. We, we're not, from year two. From year two. For <laughs> year two. You know what I mean? Like, everything is new. And I think that's important for us as artists to keep that childlike wonder in our lives to, you know, just create and improve, you know, just constantly improve every day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's, and that's really it. That's, that's the only really way to, to do this. Like you can't come in like I, and I understand the guys that find their, their thing and they just keep doing it. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I really can't. So people, like, ah, right, you do this, you do that. I'm yeah, I'm going to keep doing shit. Like I, I, I like creating it. I don't like creating this specific way. I don't like creating that specific way. Mm-hmm. I like to create. And it's going to, if it's going to be clay, but now at this point, it's, I'm messing with whatever I get my hands on. Yeah, yeah. Um, last question, and then we're going to play a little game called This or, Th- this or That, if you're okay with that. Oh, yeah, no problem. Cool. Um, how has social media impacted your art? 
was it is it a, a good benefit or a negative benefit a little bit of both uh, mm-hmm. my experience with social media with me being a more uh textured or like with my work being big it's stuff that you have to see in person to enjoy i don't create like easily translatable social media art mm-hmm. I don't, at least not from what I'm saying. And from, in this time, I will say when I do compare myself to my contemporaries, it's more about the social media engagement versus the, like, and not saying quality of work, but the type of work that's being displayed that gets a lot of social media following versus the type of work that doesn't, which mm-hmm. more, I would say more academically driven or more, you know, social awareness driven work kind of falls kind of falters in social media unless mm. it has that type of backing you know those gold you know gold card backings yeah so so with me not having that gold card backing yet i i it hinders me because it comes off as if i'm trying to sell like i'm always being sell like a salesman mm. mm-hmm. even though i am trying to be a salesman don't get me wrong i'm always trying to sell my work but i'm knowing that that doesn't sell work like after being trying to do that for so long, being this, oh, I got, I can get you a deal. Like no, 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 because people people keep that in their back pocket, and they spread that to you know. It's just it's a weird uh, line to kind of navigate. Mm, yeah, it's a very fine line to navigate. Uh, selling your work on social media to being to being looked at like a because you have to create you literally create how your, your what your perspective is on Instagram. So mm. I'm attempting to, well, not attempting to, but I've created a a following that views me in a, he already got it <laughs> perspective. And I'm really trying to still get it. Even though my, 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 I guess you could say my awarding has garnered that look. But mm. what I'm saying is the money ain't, <laughs> ain't what it, you know, you know how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, too, it's all energy, too. You know, it, it is. You get a different and type of energy. I'm also still figuring that out. Yeah. I'm still figuring that out because me being a reclusive person, that's another thing. I, I struggle with social media interaction primarily because I'm weird about putting myself out on my social media. It makes like, you I'm weird about, yeah, and it, but it's it just, it's something about not actually talking to a person. And like, mm. I'm not, it's not authentic to me just to be on my phone and like, I feel like it's corny. Like, I feel like I yeah. look corny while I'm doing it. Like, yeah. like today I record, I made like a little fake little reel cause I was thinking about when I walked into my bedroom, how I keep forgetting why I walked in there. Mm-hmm. And then I made the little reel and I was like, this look like it's pre, of course, and every reel is pre-screened and you know, rehearsed and all of that. But me thinking that, that is, cause it's me, people gonna be like, oh no, he corny as hell. Like, mm-hmm. boy, get off here. Like, and that keeps me from, engaging my audience in the way that it'll be more fun to talk to me. Mm, mm, mm. So yeah, my social media has been a plus because it keeps me, keeps people aware of what I'm doing and where I'm going in a more professional, serious sense. But it's on the more, I just feel like I could just talk to him where he's like a, a artist that it's not that for me. Yeah, I think, cause I'm, I'm turning 32 this April. I think it's just because of that, the age we are we were that too. We know a life before social media, so we we're used I watched to like Instagram get popular. Right, right, right. Instagram was kind of trash when it first came out. Now it's a whole I, totally. I was different. one of the 
I was literally on the first version of Instagram. I, yeah, like, me too. <laughs> My, I was like, I remember Facebook. when the filters was some bull. Like, yeah. when the filters was just the filter, and it was like, you pick a filter, and there ain't no levels of it. It's this yeah. or this. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I remember that Instagram. And now it's like, yeah, guy, damn, I ain't got no uh, special collaborators. Oh, I know. <laughs> No brand uh, sponsoring for this. Shall you be posting this? Like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's weird. It's a very, it's a very thin line, you know. But I feel that it's like they made Vine. It's like they put Vine, Facebook, and Instagram all in one thing. Yeah, yeah. And Snapchat, like we'll literally put everything in one social media app. TikTok. I'm still trying to figure TikTok out. I'm not even worried. <laughs> I'm not even trying. But I'm over it. I think you are successful because you're organic. Um, you have a message to say you 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 present yourself in a very positive way and have amazing work so it won't be hard to you know just communicate and link with up link up with you know people on social media yeah now when it comes to like talking like just reaching out to people then that, that's my strength mm-hmm. but the pull in of the like post something cool and then just a flood in the dms with like, oh, yeah yeah, yeah. no nah. that's they, all man, algorithms that's- too yeah. Oh well. Because yeah, <laughs> my uh, boy, I'll be sitting here like, well, maybe I shouldn't have posted that painting. You know, over a couple of days to get a couple hundred likes. Where I'm like, well, when I first posted it, y'all don't know I almost deleted it because I wasn't thinking y'all was messing with it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this game is called this or that. I will ask you a question with two answers. You can only choose mm-hmm. one, and the whole world depends on these answers that you choose. You down with okay. for that? <laughs> yeah, I got you. All right. The first question is puppies or kittens and why? <laughs> Hang on, I'm a cat person, so I'm going to say kittens because they're uh, hyperallergenic. They clean themselves. Mm. Once you train them to go in the box, then that's it. Dog, you got to keep going outside. It's a, a all season job. Yeah, cats are way easier to take care of, and they're not as uh, needy as dogs. I, I feel that, but uh, only thing I don't like about cats is they walk around the crib like they own the spot. You know what I mean? Oh. Yeah, better than that, they out the way. <laughs> they out the way. The dog gonna lead a hair. Well, they both can be parents, but that's mm. that's the plus. Of, that's negative for both of them. But yeah, the cat gonna pretty much be in their own space. The dog okay. might take up the whole couch. You gonna try to jump in the bed? He gonna <laughs> scratch it. He gonna scratch your pants up when he try to jump on you. Like, no, I'm just. <laughs> so I'm seeing. I'm I'm living, reliving it all in my head right now. I feel you. I feel you. All right. Next question: Pancakes, shoes, uh, pancakes or waffles? Ooh, I'm gonna go pancakes. Pancakes? Yeah, I like pancakes. I like pancakes. I'm gonna say, I don't, I, yeah, I'm only say pancakes because waffles is a hit or miss for me. It depends on the waffles. They can't be like the little ego joints. You gotta have like the deep dish waffles where the yeah, like the, the, the syrup big can Belgian get, joints. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. syrup can get in the crevices and stuff. Uh, and I like my, but I like my pancakes with like the, the crispy edges with like the, mm. the buttery crispy edges. Like uh, I forget how to do it myself, but I used to go to Cracker Barrel to do it. But then my black fire got uh, challenged. So I was Cracker Barrel. <laughs> I didn't even know Cracker Barrel still exists. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, this is a good one. Common or Kanye? 
Represent Ooh, Chicago. Kanye, I ain't gonna lie to you. I, I rock with Common, and I don't give me no problem with this comment because I know I put a pain in your school. Don't take myself <laughs> down. I'm only saying this because he done he done did everything against the grain mm. to make these people go not like him. And this and he's still a good parent. Mm-hmm. He's still regardless of what you think about his morals, he operates in a, a moral base of sorts. And and he fly with it. And you can't I don't I like that he does what he wants to do. And you can't tell him what to do. Yeah, I don't know about those fishing boots he rocking though, but it's cool. Yeah, yeah, I ain't, yeah, I ain't, yeah. Them sea bass joints. <laughs> nah, he ain't gonna, yeah, you can miss me with that. But other than that, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm good with yay. I like common, but yay is more the. I I think it's more because I I admire how open he is with his mouth. Mm. And I, I wish I had that element to myself because that would make me, to me, I feel like that, that would be a make or break of my career person if I was more verbally driven. Mm, mm. Like he, he's that. not going to not say what he want to say. And you can feel how you want to feel about it, but you want to know how I feel. Like, I feel like I operate in that regard as an artist more so with the painting than I, than verbally. So I'm going to say mm. what I want to say with the painting. And if you, you mess with it, you mess with it, but we're going to talk about it. I could feel that. I could feel that. All right, two yeah, it's more. Coming. It's kind of like um, low you down. It's gonna low you down with the with the words. And why do and Democrats smooth. always call common when they have some 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 type of event? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Him and John Legend. Yeah. <laughs> um, a sense of humor or a sense of style. Humor. Humor for sure. Uh, laughing is is the remedy of the world. Okay. Okay. Last one. Um, cupcakes or cookies? I'm looking this way because I just I got my girlfriend just got a whole bunch of cupcakes for her birthday that are delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, grandma, grandma's cookies. Just a little snack. Something, something you, you got to grab real quick when you want. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with the cookie. The cupcake, yeah, a little messy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I think you did pretty well on that game. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm um, glad the world is in good hands. <laughs> but um, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me, have a chat. I really learned a lot. Um, how can people get in contact with you and you know just look at your work or if they want to buy a piece or commission you for something? How can they do that? Uh, no, you can reach me on blenartistry.com and that's B-L-E-N as in Nancy, artistry.com. Uh, also, blenartistry on Instagram. Uh, yeah, just hit me up. The email uh, under my inquire uh, tab. And yeah, that's how you get your commissions done. And Or shoot me a, a message on Instagram and I'll send you guys my available works uh, portfolio. Perfect, perfect. I really appreciate it again and hopefully if I travel to, uh, you know, Chicago anytime soon. We can link up and create on something, man. Oh, absolutely, brother. Please, if you do, let me know. We grab dinner, and then I got you. Perfect, perfect. I appreciate it, man. I'm going to let you know when um, I edit and air this. Okay, please. Cool. Have a good one. Yeah, you too.